We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, uh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors at Banquet Beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. To a get right week for the Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. This is another episode of the Rock Pile Report. Guys, I can't wait to just get back to playing football so we can stop talking about the week and about the failure and about the jet lag and about what's fair. And Chris, doesn't it bother you? That we as a fan base spend a lot of time talking about what's fair and what's not. This well, isn't fair! It's not fair. We didn't get the ball in overtime. If we had, we would have won. It's not fair that the sun is hot. It's not fair. It's not fair that we had to travel to a place we knew we were going to go and we'd pick the wrong time to do it so everyone was groggy. Mm hmm. Chris, I just, I'm tired. I'm tired of talking about that. I'm ready to move on. Right? Yeah. This is how we do it. We move on as we talk about our week six preview, the New York, well, the New Jersey Giants against the Buffalo Bills. The time is 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. The place is Ralph Wilson Stadium, Orchard Park, New York. The weather, 60% chance of rain, 10 mile an hour winds. It's going to be a shit day out there. Can't wait to be there. The line, 14 and a half points to the Bills. We're a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. The crew is Tra Smith, who I don't have any beef with. What do you got, Chris, for the call? That would be our everyone's favorite, Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth. Oh, That's why God. he's on the thumbnail for the episode on YouTube. What would we you get a rather Chris do? Collinsworth game. What would you rather do than listen to Chris Collinsworth? Um, listen to Taylor Swift. <sighs> I, 
<laughs> I saw, I saw a uh, a meme about how Taylor Swift is makes music for girls who give uh, toothy something or others, and uh, it it was pretty funny. <laughs> she can kick rocks along with everybody in the Kansas City bandwagon. I look at this and I say to myself, we have Chris Collinsworth here. We'll be there so we don't get to... Uh... Oh, yeah, no, no. But when I rewatch the broadcast, the moment I get home, I'm going to be subjected to it. What do you think his new cliches are going to be for this game? Because there's really only one star quarterback in the game. I don't know what his cliches are going to be. But he, he goes back to him. He has like three things that he'll just repeat over and over again over the course of a game. I haven't picked up on them because I don't mind Collinsworth the way... What?! Other people do. How? I mean, he's not good, but I don't want to jam a pencil in the temple of my head. I mean, you'd be doing me a favor. All right. <laughs> I love you. The injury report. The New Jersey Giants. Looks like I mean, a CVS receipt. Yeah, it's wild. Daniel Jones now participating with a neck injury, which is a real... Like, he had a serious neck injury that cost him six weeks at the end of the last season. Micah McFadden, their starting inside linebacker, ankle, did not participate. Starting edge, Azizo Jolari, not participating. The, the offensive tackle who was supposed to make sure that their practice squad player wasn't starting again, he's got a shoulder injury and he did not participate. Chris, it's everybody. Yeah. Darren Waller might be the biggest name, right? Besides Daniel Jones, Darren Waller not practicing with a groin injury is big. Yep. Or maybe they're just like, look, we need to call it something, but we need everyone to just sit on the couch and think about this. Maybe, Chris, is it one of those things where it's like, I'm stupid, stupid like a fox, like Homer Simpson, and they go, we won't practice. We won't practice all week because we've been practicing every week and it ain't done shit. I guess. <laughs> Meanwhile, for the Buffalo Bills, you look at them. You look at what's going on with them. It's uh, Christian Benford, full participant in a walkthrough, mind you. Dane Jackson, foot injury, which is concerning, considering I don't need to see any more Kyrie Elam. We forgot to talk about him during the uh, ugly of the game. Kyrie Elam gave up nine first downs on like eight targets. I don't even know if he knows what he's doing out there. They could put me out there and I could do the same thing. Like I could do what he did. <laughs> Statistically, anyway. Don Kincaid was a limited participant with his concussion, which is promising, I guess. It shows he's kind of progressing through the through the protocol. Dawson Knox with his wrist. Well, Dawson Knox has been on the injury report every week, hasn't he? Might have. I don't know. I feel like he has been. Greg Rousseau, still limited, but he's out there, which is good. Shaq Lawson, back on the field, full participant. Nice. Balin Specter at linebacker, clocking in. Would you, here's a question. Would you rather see, like, we watched Tyrell Dodson come in and play in the fourth quarter of last week's game, where we ultimately lost. Would you rather the team just say, fuck it, we already know what Tyrell Dodson is. Give me Balin Specter and let him, him and Dorian Williams, just have a shot at this. I have no idea. 
You don't? Is it, no. Isn't Spectre on special teams? Mostly. Yeah, but if you but, but if you believe Brandon Bean, he was in the mix for the starting job. Yeah. <sighs> what I will say is ahead of these uh New Jersey games, it almost gets old me trashing Jersey every single time we open the podcast. It's been eight years. And over the course of the stuff I've trashed what, every aspect of their state. The beaches, the haircuts. The fake tans, the pollution, the nuclear waste, their literacy rates, their disgusting love affair with Bruce Springsteen. When in reality, like if you go back to that era of music, if you want to talk about who should have been the real BS, probably should have been Bob Seger. Like, Google it if you don't believe me. Like, if it wasn't for shitty management, Bob Seger would have been worlds more popular than Bruce Springsteen. And his contrived image and just fake emotional, intellectually phony, but well-instrumented rock and roll. Fuck that. Bob Seger makes me feel things. All I feel when I listen to Bruce Springsteen is the urge to vomit. Hergadoo! Oh. Jersey! Shut up. What do you know about Asbury Park? Shut up. You, li- you live in a multi-million dollar suburb. Drop dead. <laughs> I think they did a bit once on uh, the bonfire with yeah. Jay Okerson and Dan, uh, Dan Soder where they were singing songs in the tone of Bruce Springsteen about the things he actually does with his life. They were like, all of his songs about, are about like working in factories and does nothing that he's ever done. Or experienced, or knows anything about, and he's like, "Oh yeah," he goes, "You know, it's the struggle in New Jersey." And he, she could, people were like, "You do know you're a 45 minute path train ride to the the biggest city in the world. Like, you don't just have to work in a factory or be a musician. You could just go to the city and find a regular job." <laughs> he's a hack. Yeah, I don't like Springsteen. He couldn't have written Katmandu. Or rocked that mustache. He's not built for it. Bruce Bruce Springsteen can kick rocks compared to Bob Seger, and I'll go to my grave believing that. Now, when you think about the context of this football game, it's funny because you know that when the NFL scheduled it, Chris, they had this concept in mind that it was going to be some epic battle of, like, Jedi versus Padawan or Grasshopper against Drunken Master. Just this riveting battle of 2022 playoff teams with the natural juice and a compelling storyline of, like, protege and coach now going against each other. Instead, one of these two teams is favored by more than two touchdowns, and one of these coaches, as Aaron Quinn pointed out on uh, social media today, hasn't smiled during a press conference in over a month. It's crazy to think about the state of the Giants entering this game and how much it reminds me of a sketch from that Netflix show, I Think You Should Leave. I thought it was going to be a hit. It turns out it fucking sucks. (laughs) Chris, I think that's the perfect crystallization of what the 2023 Giants are. Yeah, that makes sense. The real question is, how did we get here? How did, how did they get to this point, and what does it mean for Buffalo when the two teams meet on Sunday Night Football? 
I'd like to think I have some of the answers for you. Playoff contenders are weird, right? Like you make the playoffs and you want to believe that there's a linear path for you to continue getting better. But Chris, do you remember the Dolphins that lost to the Steelers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you were at my house for that I was. weren't you? Matt Matt Moore was starting. I went to go get the pizza from less than five minutes from our house. And by the time I got back, the Dolphins were already trailing by 10. Like, they just got bowled over. They made the playoffs. It was cool. Like, the Giants made the playoffs last year and won a playoff game against a really inept Vikings team. And then went on to the next round and got decimated. (laughs) Just destroyed from start to finish. Entering this year, this was supposed to be a year of growth. Instead, you what you're looking at is the collapse of a playoff contender, much like that Dolphins year. Here are some of the more disgusting stats. Two passing touchdowns on the season for Daniel Jones. The 29th in yards per rushing attempt allowed on defense. Four games of less than 190 passing yards. And in all four losses, the margin of victory for their opponents was more than 15 points. There was a funny moment on, I believe it was at Seahawks game, Chris. Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football. Where there's a just another awful third down play that doesn't go the Giants' way. They have to punt. Brian Dable walks it onto the field to meet his quarterback halfway, and they're walking back towards the sideline together, and Dable's face is red. And he's looking at him with his hands in the air going, because obviously Dable's short. It's like Dable's short, so Daniel Jones is looking down at him, and he's just looking up going, what the fuck? What the fuck are we doing? And they get to the side. He turned into Joe Pesci for a minute. He's like, what the fuck are we doing? They get to the sideline, and he's got a tablet in his hand, and then he just spins it and throws it and walks away. (laughs) Brian Dable walks away. And Bruce Nolan put out a meme the next day of a screenshot of that interaction. And it was the guy from Iron Man, like the bad, the very first Iron Man, like the guy who thinks Tony Stark's dead and he's trying to recreate the Iron Man suit. Or once he knows he's still alive and he's trying to recreate the Iron Man suit and he's yelling at a scientist going, Tony Stark built this shit in a cave with rocks. And he's going, Josh Allen did this offense with scraps, with nothing, with the undrafted free agents. And the scientist is just like, sir, I'm not Josh Allen. Chris, it is weird, right? Like life isn't easy when you're an offensive minded head coach who doesn't have a human cheat code, right? Yeah. yeah, And you give a contract like that oh yeah no 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 when you that got plays a part in this a highly paid version of like the human like he's the human version of woody from toy story both in build and their ability to read a defense it's almost like the um we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's like... uh the mon- it's almost like uh, Dable thinks he has, like almost like he's a movie director, and he's got like what's the best Marvel character? <laughs> what what's who is the best one? Who's like? I mean, in my opinion, yeah. What's like? Uh, Iron Man's the best one. There's like Iron Man, and he like because Dable had that with Josh Allen. He thinks he could get that with Daniel Jones, but it turns out Daniel Jones is fucking He Man. <laughs> it's just the, by the power low, of Gray- low level by the power of Grayskull, yeah. and then he waves it around and just gets intercepted. Like yeah. the sword gets intercepted when he holds it up. Yeah, how crazy is it that Daniel Jones is making twenty million dollars more in cash this year than Josh? That I didn't know. <laughs> For two passing touchdowns, these failures, right? Like this is what we're talking about. These failures. Like, no matter how many tablets Dable throws, it's not just Jones's fault. In fact, I think Jones might be a victim in all of this, as his recent in- injury kind of indicates. <clears throat> when you take a look at the makeup of this team, one of the, the, like, the Giants are one of the worst, most injury-prone, riddled offensive lines in the entire league. They're inconsistent, and it's upon those fault lines that the play of this playoff contender has descended into nonsense. It's become Benny Hill. The Giants have, as a team, posted two of the NFL's worst pass pro grades of the last three weeks. Collectively, as a line, they scored less than 17. Like you would assume that's a college team playing football teams, right? Yeah. You wouldn't be wrong if you look at the makeup of the personnel. The last two games... They've allowed 35 quarterback hurries, 47 individual pressures, six sacks, 18 sacks in total have been credited to their offensive line. And that's, well, 18 sacks in total, six on the offensive line. The rest of them are Daniel Jones's fault for holding the ball too long because he's trying to win a fucking football game that he can't. It's like he doesn't know the house is stacked against him and he keeps trying. Is this a thing of, does Dable have like long developing pass route. Oh, concepts. we're going to talk about all of it, Chris. And he's, you're trying, you're trying Chris, to get me to pass block, Chris, and it doesn't work. We're going to talk about all of it tonight. All right, guess the, I'm onto something. The result of this shitty offensive line performance is pretty pronounced. They're two for ten on 20, 20 or more yard passes through the air. Two for ten. They've only attempted ten passes of more than 20 yards, and they've only completed two of them. They have just 22 attempts to throw 10 to 19 yards, right? Yep. 
which tells you a lack of protection is forcing screens, a lot of three-step drops, and just one incompletion on screens, but 68 total yards because their playmakers aren't quick-twitch athletes, right? They don't have one except for Barkley. Oh, and he's fucking hurt, too. (laughs) They only have three runs of 10 or more yards for Saquon Barkley. Makes sense. So then you take a step back and go, how did things get here? Well, left tackle Andrew Thomas was their best thing going. He's out. Hamstring injury. He probably will not play this week. And if he does, he's not 100%. The funniest one is that they, during their game against the, uh, what was that? What was that game? Was it against the Seahawks? I think it was. They had nine, nine sacks allowed? No. Yeah, no, but it was that game that started this because here's how he got sacked nine times. They tried to replicate the interdivision opponent uh, Philadelphia Eagles tush push play, which I, I hate that fucking name. We gotta call it something else. Just call it playing grab ass. I don't care, but that sounds better than the tush push. But fourth and one, they decide they're gonna go for it and they're gonna try to replicate what. The Eagles are doing, pushing Jalen Hurts over the pile with a fullback or a running back and get our lineman and getting him over the pile for that one yard. Then it turns out Daniel Jones just has a white man's ass. It's just real flat. (laughs) You can't get behind it. it. (laughs) There was no ass to grab, and they tried to push him over the pile and just slipped off. Yeah, yeah. They not only didn't get the first down, but somehow knocked out their center with a knee injury and lost a tight end in the progress. Like, you should be... Like, right there, do you just cancel the game out of embarrassment? You have to. It's only gotten worse from there. They've got this guy, Josh Azudzu. He was a 2022 third-round pick who isn't a tackle. He's a guard, but he's playing left tackle. Two weeks of brutal games show you he doesn't even belong on an NFL field, and he whiffed on the block, just painfully whiffed on the block that got Daniel Jones injured. (laughs) Knocked him out of the Miami game. Jalen Mayfield is a guy that the Bills beat up on a few years ago when he played for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. He has a zero pass block grade on PFF right now. He played in a game. He has a zero pass block grade. And yet... He was out there. He's for some reason on a real NFL field taking snaps. Evan Neal, right tackle for the Giants, had that play against Seattle that became a meme where he was just like out there without even like he had his hands up, but there was no one in front of him. And he's like, wait, am I what game am I in? (laughs) Where should I be? It almost felt like he didn't know the playbook. And you don't need to take it from me. There's this from Brian Baldinger, which is him describing a perfect microcosm of what's bogging down the Giants' offense. And this play comes on a third and seven obvious passing situation this past week against Miami. There's just so much dysfunction in this Giants' offense. This is third and seven, right? The safety has Darren Waller. So it's basically you've got Chubb, Siler, Wilkins, Ogba, and Baker. It's five on five. That's what it is. The back's got a free release. But the center gets beat. It happens. He's a good player. Now, the right guard doesn't need to be going out there. 
If the right guard stayed right there, he'd be helping the center. But the right guard's going for the inside linebacker, and the problem is so is the right tackle. So now the outside, and Agba comes free, Wilkins comes free, and over here, they can't pass a stunt. And here comes Bradley Chubb, and they all meet at Daniel Jones on third and seven. Like that level of dysfunction is just, you can't operate like that. I feel like I could do a better job scheming something up. I, I want everyone to note. Chris, you remember all the love we showered on the Bills' offensive uh, offensive line, right? Yeah. When Brian Dable was here. No, that never happened. In fact, you could, in some cases, point out that the Bills' offensive line dysfunction when Brian Dable was here as the offensive coordinator and Bobby Johnson was here as the offensive line coach, might have ruined some of the best seasons that we had going for us. So now you look what's happened in Jersey. Brian Dable took Bobby Johnson with him. We brought in Aaron Cromer. Last year, Cromer's tutelage didn't take. Now you look at the way our interior offensive line is playing. Chris, our offensive line, to your point, you said it, I think, during the Roundup podcast. Our line is playing some of its best football, maybe under McDermott ever. Yeah, this is the best offensive line that we've had. Meanwhile, the Shanghai Bobby Johnson, who took off with Brian Dable, you look at this, it's a mess. Not only do you have under-talented players who are playing out of position, but they're not even picking up NFL basics. Stunts. A stunt is a thing that you should be able to recognize in the NFL. And if you can't, then you shouldn't be on the football field. They are routinely forgetting to see them. Right? Yeah. They don't understand their pre-snap assignment. They don't know who they're supposed to be blocking. And so when the ball gets snapped, fundamentals go out the fucking window. And the game gets away from them, and their quarterback gets battered to pieces in the process. I saw the statistic that they are on pace to get their quarterback, whoever it might be, sacked 106 times. Which Is that would, better than uh, David Carr? It would tie the record since going back to 1986 for the Eagles. That's fucking wild. Like, that's not a thing that should be happening to an NFL football team. And realistically, it comes down to coaching. So knowing that they're poorly coached, knowing that their offensive coordinator slash head coach has a scheme that can't account for this lack of dysfunction up front. Like, I don't know. Like, not just their roster, but maybe their entire modus operandi needs to be revisited, but there's no time to do that before Sunday's game. And then if you look at the other side of the ball, on defense, it's interesting because box score and stat scouting is a fickle art. You have to know what to pay attention to and what not to. There's certain stats that actually carry gravity. There's some that look like window dressing, and there's some rankings when you look at them, you go, well, that's nonsense. The Giants here in 2023 are a perfect encapsulation of this. When you look at the rankings, right, on defense, in terms of opponent third down conversion, the Bills are sixth best in the NFL. And you'd believe that, given how we throttled the Raiders, throttled the uh, the Commanders, 
it may, the, how many times, Chris, did we hold the Jaguars on Sunday via punt, via fumble? We kept them out of the end zone for a while. Yeah, turnover. I remember the Epinesa fumble at the end of the half. Kept them out. Surprisingly, for all their blowout losses, the Giants aren't that far behind in third down conversion percentage allowed on defense at 12th. Now, Chris, on one hand, you could try to applaud them. But I think that's where you can kind of understand what happens when you're not when you're just box score watching football games, I think we all know this defense is shit, right? Yes. You look at the scoreboard, it'll tell you that. How did they get to 12th in third down conversion percentage allowed? No idea. They're one of the last teams in football when you look at how many teams actually see a third down. <laughs> I love it. It's hilarious. They're not getting support from the offense, which I understand. Like, that'll gas most teams. What's funny is when you look at the way this, like, the team rankings pan out, the, the Giants are the only team in the NFL to rank 30th or worse in scoring defense in every single one of the first three quarters of their games so far this season. They're 30th, 31st, and 30th in the first, second, and third quarters and points a lot on defense. In the fourth quarter, they're fifth. They're tied for fifth. Because by that point, teams are boat racing them and they don't give a fuck. They're just trying to run the ball and keep the clock moving. Because they want to go home and get something to eat, grab a couple drinks, and celebrate the fact that they just kicked the shit out of a bunch of guys wearing crappy blue jerseys with... Chris, is there anything less imaginative than the Giants jerseys. It's just plain blue with white numbers. Yeah, they are boring. They're boring. We just stomped the mud hole in a bunch of guys in boring jerseys. Great. Let's just run the ball and get the fuck out of here. So good. Golf clap. You're fifth best in the NFL in fourth quarter points because nobody has to try in the fourth quarter. Also, they're lacking in star power. Right? In the sense that not just like like not just the sense that they don't have names, they have names that were brought in that were supposed to change things. It just hasn't worked out yet. Like I look at remember Kayvon Thibodeau and all the draft debate that raged about him? Heard of him. Everyone was like, Oh no, he deserves to be drafted higher. He's not getting drafted, he's not getting enough draft love. And then the Giants take him in the top ten. Everything that they didn't know or didn't like about him in the pre-draft process seems to be coming true. When you look at him, he's an edge defender who has played most of the most of the plays for their defense. Like he's an every-down player for them. He has one run stop as an edge defender. A 16.7% missed tackle rate. Like he has four sacks. No splashy, game-changing plays like A.J. Epinesa. The thing I can't get past is the one-run stop. Chris, someone should accidentally run into you, right? Yeah. If you're doing your job as an edge player in that defense, someone should accidentally find their way into your lap. The fact that they haven't, I don't know what to make of that. Either you don't know where to be, 
or they see you coming a mile away and they're just faster than you. And the running backs get out of your way. Either way, it speaks to while he's got a lot of upside, he's not consistent. Run defense is an issue for him. In total, the the Giants have seven defensive starters who have a double-digit missed tackle percentage. From 14, from safety Jason Pinnock, to Dory Jackson, starting slot corner at 22%. And the uh, linebacker, Michael McFadden, who may not be able to play this week, at a matching 21%. Well, 21.8, which might as well be fucking 22 if we're splitting hairs. Now, it's no secret they've struggled against the pass as well. You know, their coverage units aren't all that talented, and their pass rush really doesn't intimidate anybody. They do the the traditional Wink Martindale, who is their defensive coordinator, for those of you who don't know. They do the traditional Wink Martindale thing. They blitz a ton. Okay? They are one of the team. like, I think they're in, like, the top three they might be top three for blitz rate. They're 30th in the NFL in total pressures. <laughs> and that pretty much tells the story about how all of this on defense has worked out for you. <laughs> wow, you suck at this. <laughs> Guys, I mean, what do you want me to say? There's nothing nice for me to say about our opponent. Usually I'll come on here and I'll try to give you guys like a, an honest look at a team that's, uh, I, I try to say, hey, here, this could be, or we have a guest who I say, hey, what do you like? What do you like about your team? Where are your flaws? All I see are flaws with this football team. And I think that that's put itself on tape. I think everybody knows it. Like, I could keep going with this, but instead, I think we just roll right into this week's keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. First of all, to win this game, you hit you hit the Giants with the rushing attack early. You, you get that out of the way. Last week, the Bills spent an entire half of football dicking around with flares, these shallow outlet passes, just little things that weren't going to work. They, they attacked the short areas, and that blew up in their faces because they got off to a slow start, which ultimately doomed them. I mean, Chris, when you lose by five, and you look at a first half where you only scored seven, knowing that you're the Buffalo Bills... Mm-hmm. That's a fucking loss. That's yeah. your fault. The other team didn't do anything well. You did it poorly. Meanwhile, the Giants have failed to keep a single team under 120 rushing yards this season. They're allowing the second most rushing touchdowns in the league. In this game against one of the league's weakest defenses, if you want to bounce back from what we had last week, this is going to be it because there's going to be a lot of opportunities to establish the run and just set a tone drawing their safeties who surprisingly have two of the better like reception percentages against of anybody on the defense you got to draw them down into the box force those safeties to give the linebackers support because when you get those favorable single high looks you think about as soon as the commanders gave it to us we just started hitting them with Gabe Davis and it, one of them ended up as a pick but one of them was a touchdown realistically that's all that matters I just feel like there's like their defensive tackles are stout. Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams are big bodies. But look at that. You got Torrance. We've got Connor McGovern. We've got uh, Mitch Morse. Those three are playing some of their best football that we've seen since since Mitch Morse has joined the roster. 
So if you're thinking about it like that, we should be able to bully the interior of the line. And when you get to the edges, there's nothing there protecting them. You're going to get a lot of favorable looks to run against. I just, I believe that. I think that Cook, Harris, and Murray, I think you roll all three backs against these guys this weekend, should be able to find opportunities rushing off guard, rushing off tackle, maybe even right in the face of it when they get tired enough to sub out. And if the rest of the defense, due to injury or neck, can't contain them at the second level, we could see some real fireworks here from these running backs. I also think it would settle Josh Allen down and allow us to kind of slowly matriculate an offense together, which brings me to my second one. You put Josh under center. For the love of God, can we stop doing this shotgun thing? Like, maybe this is just personal preference, but... I don't know. I need to see Josh playing under center for most of this football game. I don't know why they go shotgun so often. Chris, how many of those runs work? Like designed Allen runs? No, 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 no. Runs from the running back out of the shotgun. Can't be good. Like cover one did, did had a bunch of breakdowns. They were like, every time they ran out of shotgun, here's where they got stopped. Here's a crack toss play. He's like, I hate this. The line's already overloaded that way, and it's not a shotgun, so the running back's farther back. Every defender gets a running start to go get that guy, and it ends up in a tackle for loss. I hate the rushing out of the shotgun. I also feel like something you touched on in our uh, recap podcast, the play-action percentage. Yeah. Look at this. The runs that everybody else has been able to victimize the Giants with, the Bills have proven we don't run as effectively out of the shotgun as we do from traditional formations. Spread formations might limit the amount of blitzing the Giants can do. They're not, like, even blitzing, they're not getting home much. And at the same time, our play-action passing would be more effective if it's coming out of formations that we can actually run with. Actually run the ball out of. Because on play-action passes, Josh has an 83% completion percentage with five touchdowns, no picks. That play keeps him clean. When they run these 12 personnel formations, but he's under center, he's damn near perfect. Maybe they're doing the Patriots thing, where they're experimenting with all the bullshit first before they decide what it is they want to be for the home stretch of the season. But it's frustrating watching this play out. With that said, I want to see Josh go under center, and I want to see him hand it off at least at least 30 times. And then you incorporate some of that play-action passing, which their cornerbacks are going to have their hands full. There's going to be room to make plays. Everybody else has. Why not us? Uh, Attack Dory Jackson is the other one. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but most of the keys here have been about the offense. It's because I'm saving, well, first, I think that's going to be the thing that saves the day for us. Also, I'm saving my my diatribe for last. I think that offensive execution and putting pressure on them to respond is how you win this game. You boat race them. You you pull away, and as they struggle, they're going to get more desperate. Either whoever's playing quarterback for them is going to make mistakes. They're going to take more chances. Or maybe they'll just do what they've been doing and just continue to run an ineffectual offense into 10 points and then tuck their tails and fucking go home. I don't know. What I know is they signed veteran Adore Jackson to be a player for them on the outside. 
He's been shuffled to the slot, and he is the weakest link in coverage for them. He's currently, like, Chris, 134 yards after the catch allowed, 71% completion percentage, and a 115 QBR against. That's your starting slot receiver. All right. The Bills have a lot of slot options, but also have proven they can just motion digs into the slot. I feel like if they can move him around the way they did against Miami to get him the right matchup, this might be the one that you just blow up. It's Stephon Diggs running up the seam against the safeties with a free release. I just, this, Chris, this is one of those games where a lot like that Kansas City Chiefs-Houston playoff game, the Bills could run out of fireworks if the Bills offense really takes advantage of all the weaknesses here, and I think it starts and finishes with the Dory Jackson. He's the one you start picking on right away. And then you work your way out from there to the other receivers. But that's how you matriculate this. Like, I'd love to see this be a coming out party for Dalton Kincaid. I don't know if he's going to suit up or not. But what I do know is that's where you get these guys. It's just right up the gut, in the face of the linebackers, a wide receiver on these guys, him or Gabe Davis could decimate this this group. And then the final key, which comes down to why I dislike the Giants so much this year, it's just the Bills getting A and B gap pressure consistently. Now, I teased this earlier. The real reason that the Giants are struggling on offense, and I figured it out. See, because... Having an overpaid quarterback who really isn't that good doesn't make things great, Chris, but you, you, you've you watched him play. You saw him last year win playoff games. He's at a minimum Andy Dalton, right? Yeah. Well, I watched intently for that Monday night game because in my NFL pool that I'm in, I won $480, and so I was intently watching that game, and I needed the like the lowest score possible. And guess what? The Giants showed up and helped me win 480. They, I mean, they <laughs> the Giants were Giants helped you. Yeah, they were. They couldn't do shit on offense. That offensive line is is just trash. Sure, okay. Having a bad offensive line has compounded the problems of their average quarterback. You know what? Their their offensive line is the paper that high school teams break through on Friday nights <laughs> to start games when they get introduced. That's the Giants' offensive line, that thin sheet of paper. But here's the thing that fucks them. It's philosophy. And the roster building that's gone on this offseason, it's like an intersection where philosophy and roster building crashed into each other and five people died. (laughs) That's it. Think about what you remember about Brian Dable's offense here in Buffalo. Vertical passing attack using speedy outside targets on deep crosses and post routes that were supposed to open up the middle for your tight ends, your slot receivers, your Cole Beasley's, your Dawson Knox. This is what I said earlier, where their offensive line can't protect and they can't do the routes that Dable wants. So this is it. Usually you're using the pass to establish the run instead of using the run to establish the pass. We saw that philosophy that Brian Dable's trying to work here in 2023 work here in Buffalo to fantastic effect. And he was doing it with wide receivers like John Brown, Cole Beasley. I mean, he did have Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis. 
along with an offensive line that Chris was pretty widely bailed out by the athleticism of the quarterback, right? Yeah. They were never good. Dable never had a good offensive line here, so I don't take that as an excuse of why this is breaking down. But you have to think about that and then think about the roster that they constructed. Okay, They don't have any experienced offensive line depth. The John Felicianos are gone. The uh, like the guys who were instrumental in them making the playoffs last year either got hurt or aren't on the roster anymore. Now there's a youth movement on the offensive line, and you're watching these kids come out here and fucking flail. They are flailing their way through football games, and Bobby Johnson can't coach them. Bobby Johnson cannot get all of them collectively. Maybe one or two he could work with a young player and get them up to speed. He can't get them all up to speed at the same time. So you have a whole group of young, underexperienced players who are struggling to find their way. That's that's a problem. They don't. Then you factor in a quarterback with average athleticism, average pocket awareness. Then you give me a running back chart, depth chart that has no depth to it. I have one guy. Chris, who else do they have? I don't know. Matt Breda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Matt Breda. Bill Sands remember Matt Breda, or don't, for obvious reasons. Then you look at the pass catchers. Outside of wide receivers, Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton. Like, like those are the guys who are playing your boundaries. They're big guys, right? Yeah. And to the respective classes, because they're not great athletes. Average athleticism, maybe some hands. They're nice stories that they're playing in the NFL, but they're playing a position that requires a lot of one-on-one wins in order to thrive, and they're not doing it. They don't have deep speed. They don't have expert route running. And so it shouldn't shock anyone that Slayton and Hodgins are tied for ninth and 10th in worst average separation in the NFL. Chris, they're both top 10. Imagine the dickheads on the outside of our offense. Imagine instead of Gabe Davis and not. Chris, you know what this takes me back to when I'm thinking about this Giants team right now, the way they're set up? Imagine instead of Steph Diggs and Gabe Davis, we had Daniel Jones. Uh, who, who was the guy? Donald Jones? Donald Jones, yes. Donald Jones. And who was the other wide receiver? Because David Nelson. Naaman Roosevelt. Yeah, Naaman Roosevelt. Those are your those are your boundary guys. That's who the Giants are coming to war with on Sunday. Those guys on the outside. And Jalen Hyatt, their rookie, who Bills fans talked about wanting. They were like, oh, man, we're pissed that they, we didn't get Jalen Hyatt. Speedy wide receiver. Everyone said he could get behind DBs. Well... He's working on the outside more so than the slot, even though everyone thought that was his simplest path to acclimation in the NFL. Chris, he he's not he's in on ninety four percent of their snaps. He has five targets. <laughs> five targets, but you play ninety four percent of the snaps. Your quarterback just doesn't trust you to catch the ball. Wandale Robinson is a tiny guy who's basically a rookie. He lost his whole rookie season to a knee injury. And he's got the fifth worst targeted air yard percentage of any wide receiver in the NFL. 
illustrating that almost no one gets the ball thrown to them at or near the line of scrimmage more than Robinson. And then it's it's kind of like Isaiah McKenzie last year. His expected yards after the catch compared to his actual, he's negative half a yard, which tells you that not only is Wandale Robinson not a threat anywhere down the field, but when they do give him the ball, he does less than expected with it. <laughs> Sterling Shepard just looks like another guy. He's a jag now. After multiple lower body injuries have robbed him of all of his athleticism, he, like Hyatt, has five targets in five games. Chris, who am I supposed to be fucking scared of here? Isaiah Hodgins. Why? He can't separate. He's ninth worst in the NFL in getting separation from defensive backs. Why am I scared of him? I don't know. Then you look down the depth chart. Hyatt, Shepard, and Paris Campbell, whoever, I was excited about them getting him, have the same number of receiving first downs as Saquon Barkley does. Combined. They combined have the same number of pass-catching first downs as a running back. That sums up everything that's broken here. Dable's philosophy doesn't work with the talent that he has on hand. There is no successful deep crossing routes. There's no one who scares safeties out of the box to take a post. Jalen Hyatt was supposed to be that, and to this, to, to this point... No one carries with him. They allow him to keep running and just single him up and let him go. And he's not winning those battles. Or when he does get deep, there's no time for the quarterback to throw the football. This thing of Dables where he says, hey, I'm going to open up the box and then throw in the middle. That only works if, A, you have fast receivers who are getting separation, and, B, you have a line that can give you the time to throw the ball 15 yards downfield. This team doesn't. They just don't. There's no successful deep posts. There's no, there's no room for these slow and less explosive slot options to work. They have a tight end who's good, and he's got a groin injury. And he draws so much attention from the rest of the defense that they keep him in check, and he can't take a game over and make a real impact through four quarters. And yet they keep trying. They keep trying to do the same thing because like the guy from Iron Man, Dable is convinced that he could recreate what he had in Buffalo with this crew from New York City. That's it. Chris, you can't overcome the lack of talent. Yeah, Giants have no talent. Chris, Dable has come full circle. You made one of the best analogies I've heard in a long time. Oh, the cooking analogy? And now, where is he as a head coach? (laughs) Isn't he back to trying to make chocolate chip cookies with one ingredient? No, what what he is doing, there's a better analogy, would be uh, he's asked to make tacos. And he has uh, taco meat he found in the dumpster at a Taco Bell. (laughs) So he's, he's cheating? Got, yeah, he's got nothing. <clears throat> he's, he's like, well, nothing. I found the meat. I don't have any yeah. shells. The cheese is old. There's some mold on that, but we'll pick it off. It'll be fine. Yeah, we'll just cut the mold off. <laughs> Guys, do you know how you squash a philosophically misaligned team like this that's still trying to take shots down the field? 
you batter them in the A and B gaps. It's simulated linebacker pressure, and then sometimes you just send it. Sometimes you just cut them loose. Chris, I expect our defensive line to be all over these guys. Yeah, it'll be a fun game. Our defensive line is going to dominate their offensive line. <clears throat> I don't even know. We might be seeing Tyrod Taylor playing his first game back in Buffalo since he left. I would believe so. Do you believe that Tyrod Taylor has a passing acumen to win a game against Josh Allen? He has. I mean, he has the acumen to dress better than Josh Allen. That's fair. I mean, I will say Tyrod Taylor, snappy dresser. Yeah. Mediocre quarterback, snappy dresser. Regardless of what quarterback takes the field, the Bills need to focus on getting pressure right up the center of the defense while mixing in those simulated and real pressures from the linebacker level. Because between the offensive line woes, the lack of separation, there's going to be scramble drills and broken plays. You're going to get a lot of contact on the quarterback. You're going to get a lot of throwaways, a lot of scrambles, a lot of runs. You're going to get a lot of throws into coverage out of desperation. That's where you as a team can win. Like the offense has the ability to have its way with this defense. The defense, this is where they get to win. I mean, look at look at the situation Baldinger just walked us through earlier. <laughs> Three guys all beat their single assignments and ended up running into each other at the quarterback. How do you split a sack three ways? Uh, 0.33. They don't give out 0.3. (laughs) So somebody just didn't get credit. Yeah. We've seen what Daniel Jones is. We've seen what Tyrod Taylor is. We know what this line is. We know what the Giants are. I'm supremely confident about this. I don't even want to talk about a score, Chris. Chris, I see you freaking out about hockey over there, and I love it. See, this is... Montre- Montreal is up 5-3 to three with, like, five minutes to go in the game, and Toronto just started pulling their goaltender, like, with five tied minutes... Tied the game? Tied the game. They pulled. They scored with, like, four minutes to go, then they put the goalie back in, immediately pulled him. Austin Matthews just scored with a minute left in, the, in the game. Sucks. Yeah. Montreal's awful. D- don't ever... Montreal's awful. The Giants are awful. Good keep. Chris, this game is going to be great. The tailgate's going to be awesome. Guys, Doc's lot. 4180 Abbott Road. We're going to be there at about 11 o'clock in the morning. We're going to have uh, we the make? menu this weekend is going to be pretty good. What are we making? Smoked chicken wings. We're going to smoke some legs. I'm going to bring the deep fryer. We're going to make some, we're going to make some stuff. It's going to be fun. We're going to experiment. It's going to be... It's my first time just focusing on frying some things. I'm going to have some dry batter going. I'm maybe do some fish. Maybe do. Hey, we're we're going to try some different stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Come check it out. Doc Slot, 4180 on Abbott Road. Guys, I don't even want to try to pick the score of this game. Chris, it's a bloodbath, right? Yeah, it should be. Should be. And if it's not, will we come back here next week and lament? Yes. That's what I love about getting to do this. Guys. This has been a lot of fun, but for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger, and this has been your Week 6 Preview.